Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of In Media's Mess, where two pop culture nerds try to make sense of the messy world of mass media. I'm Alanis. And I'm Clea. And we're glad to have you along. Clea and I are shameless fans of boy bands, and we're both of the opinion that there's usually a lot of talent in them that gets ignored. A lot of people don't really take their music seriously, despite the massive popularity that they can achieve, or perhaps even because of the massive popularity, as you know, a lot of people dismiss and love to hate pop music, and One Direction is a good example of that. So today, we wanted to make the case for One Direction and why they shouldn't be dismissed as just another pop phenomenon. This is our One Direction discography deep dive. So for anyone who isn't too familiar with One Direction, though I doubt that there are many, they were a British pop group that was active in 2011 to 2015. We're not entirely sure if they're still together, but that's a whole nother story. So they got their start when they auditioned for The X Factor as solo artists in 2010, before being put together as a group by Nicole Scherzinger. Just as a side note, not Simon Cowell. They are far and away considered one of the most successful pop acts of the 21st century. They've won over 170 industry awards, I think, including VMAs, Brit Awards, BBMAs. They've sold over 50 million albums, and they were the first British group to debut at number one in the US with a debut album. Basically, they're a pretty big deal. A lot of people tag them as the world's biggest boy band or the world's biggest pop act, and it gets a little tiring to hear, but honestly, it's pretty accurate. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Whatever you think of One Direction, they were undeniably a phenomenon. And obviously, since we're making an episode about them this early on in the podcast, we are fans of One Direction. But we didn't always used to be fans. They debuted at a time when we weren't necessarily listening to that kind of music. Personally, One Direction wasn't necessarily in my radar, but I didn't hate their music. My friends made me listen to What Makes You Beautiful when it came out, and I thought it was quite cute. I just didn't really like the music video and have never watched it more than once. Probably, I just I, let's forget about it, but... Yeah, I did quite like What Makes You Beautiful, and I still do quite like it well enough. You know, it's a product of its time, definitely. It's cheesy, but a charming kind of cheesy. I came to the same conclusion, though I feel like it took me a little longer, because the first time I heard What Makes You Beautiful was when I saw the video. And I hated the video. Yeah, it was just corny. Yeah, it was just, it was a strange video. And so I kind of just ended up dismissing them. What really made me pay attention to them, I think, was I think around the tail end of the Midnight Memories era. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was like a performance on SNL where I was just kind of like, oh, wow, these guys are actually pretty good. And then from there, I started actually listening to the music. Ooh, okay. For me, I did casually listen to their singles. I wasn't actively avoiding One Direction, and it's not like I could have anyway, even if I tried. They were everywhere. But I didn't really listen, listen to their music, like their B-sides, until around, 
maybe 2013. So I think around the same time as you. So that was after I got into Little Mix and got like fully consumed by K-pop. And yeah, so I really did like a lot of their singles, particularly one thing. Mm, same. Like the moment I heard Liam sing, shot me out of the sky, you're my kryptonite, I was hooked. I was like, that's a great line. But I only really went deep into their discography around Midnight Memories also. So the thing about me and Alanis is that a lot of our fan journeys with One Direction very much revolved just around the music. So we never really dipped our toes into the 1D fandom experience. Oh yeah, 100%. So to any of our Directioner friends listening, please forgive us if we say something that's totally different from like fandom experience or fandom opinion. We're very, very sorry. We were very late into the game considering the phenomenon of 1D. And, you know, we only really shared our One Direction music enthusiasm with each other. So pretty much. Okay, so moving on to the music, let's talk albums. So the very first album that they came out with was one called Up All Night and it was released in 2010. Alanis, what did you think of this album? You know what? I think it was cute. It did have one thing. So it has plus points for that. And it did have Up All Night. So I guess another point for that. But I think it's a pretty forgettable album for me personally. It served its purpose. It showed One Direction to the world, was able to show, you know, how cute they were, I guess, at this time. But I don't think they should be judged on this album alone. This should not be the only album that you listen to from One Direction. I agree. I'm not really the biggest fan of this album. Again, it's like, it is a fun debut album. But for me and... I guess the kind of music I listened to, this one felt a little bit too manufactured. I think it makes sense because it is a debut album. They are a boy band. It's like you kind of do have to follow a pop formula to get yourself out there first. But I don't know. There are some hidden gems, definitely. It just it felt a little too much like they were trying very specifically to appeal to the demographic. But I mean, it worked. So that's why I say it served its purpose. Apart from that, I think, you know, it's cute, but maybe I'll skip it. I'll, I'll keep one thing. Yeah, I'll keep one thing and up all night. Yeah, I'll keep one thing and up all night and maybe we can move on. Skip the rest. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, we're very nice about the rest of the albums. Before anyone, like, clicks out in anger, it's actually just, this isn't our favorite. Like, that's really it. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like that's forgivable because they only get better from here on out anyway and there's so far more output take me home wasted no time in showing what they can do and what they can do better i agree i feel like take me home which was released in 2012 feels a lot more like a quintessential pop album it's the right amount of cheesy it's the right amount of fun it didn't seem too like formulaic it's like it for me it was a giant leap forward from up all night It had a really good mix of pop sounds, I would say. And also, there are so many good tracks on this album. Like, we have Kiss You, we have Come On, Come On, Heart Attack. I have a very, like, I have a soft spot for Summer Love. Same. I really love Summer Love. I think it's a classic. 
this album also gave us some of the best 1D choruses ever, I think. From the one in Live While We're Young, to Kiss You, to uh, like what you said, Come On, Come On is a great one. And I would argue Still The One is one of their best ones too. And I think this is when they really started to establish that brand of really catchy choruses. Mm, True, yeah. Because it's not just with one song, it was really like across the board. And yeah, I think overall, Take Me Home was really just more consistent. I think it's because they were able to pick out what worked in Up All Night and then build on that, like what harmonies, what songs worked well for the group. For sure. I mean, I don't really want to call it a practice run, but I felt like Up All Night is a kind of a practice run for Take Me Home. And I think also, like, the, in terms of production value, just, like, the quality of Take Me Home has, like, improved so much from Up All Night. Looking back on the earlier albums, I am more likely to listen to Take Me Home just because of, like, you know, good, fun pop sounds. But if I ever do listen to Up All Night, that's probably because I'm riding a nostalgia wave a little bit. Take Me Home is sort of, like, I'd listen to it more for the music than the nostalgia. While I'd listen to Up All Night for the nostalgia over the music. It's like how you listen to the music from Disney stars largely for the nostalgia. Actually, for me, Up All Night sounds like something you would hear from a Disney artist or from their like Hollywood Records label or something. Mm, okay, yeah, I get that. Whereas Take Me Home sounds like One Direction. It's like they found an identity for 1D. It was more sure of itself when it came to that. And when it came to a theme, One Direction songs are all about having fun, being rebellious, loving love, making the most out of your youth. I mean, they literally have singles about that. And I think that defines what kind of what their music was about. I mean, pinaganda ko pa, pero sobrang landi lang ng album na to. Basically, it's like every rom-com, fantasy, meet-cute you could want and imagine. And yeah. The amount of euphemisms they were able to like get children to sing along to. Oh my god, you're right. Like, how did they put all of that in there? Oh my god, that's also a euphemism. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway... Anyway, basically, I treat Take Me Home as their debut album. This is when One Direction truly arrived. So Take Me Home is very much a step up from Up All Night, but I think we both agree that the real turning point for One Direction as a group is their third album, Midnight Memories, which was released in 2013. This was where all of the boys got more involved in producing their albums, both writing and producing, and shifting to a more pop rock sound, which, according to the Rolling Stone, was largely thanks to Louis taking the reins on their musical direction. Right, and it's their most mixed-reviewed album, which I kind of feel defensive about, to be honest. No, for sure, I understand that. I would say it also makes sense for it to be the most mixed-reviewed one because it's such a distinct departure from what they were putting out. But I think that's why I like it also because, I don't know, it, it kind of feels like a concept album, you know? Like a fully defined era. Like the songs are distinct within their discography 
and the album is cohesive and connected. It's a track list that sounds like it's supposed to be together. Yeah, same. And with the first two albums, actually, I have problems with the track listing. Like for Up All Night, I think the second half was a lot weaker, so you tend to forget about the second half. And with Take Me Home, I thought there were some jarring sequences. But with Midnight Memories, I don't really have any complaints. Same. And I honestly, I honestly really like the sequencing on this one. It feels like you're on a like sonic journey, if I can say that. It just feels like they thought about it a little bit more. Like it, it feels more intentional. For me, this just clearly sounds like a transition into the One Direction sound as everyone would kind of come to know it. I think that's why I would consider Midnight Memories probably like my favorite era generally. My only real hang-up about it is I hate the cover art. Like, I hate, hate it. And I don't like seeing it on Spotify. But, you know, it's fine. It's chill. We can forgive that. And like we said, Midnight Memories is the big turning point of their careers. And this latter part of their discography is so good. There's so much growth. And that's why this is where... Clay and I will attempt to pick out notable favorites. And I say pick out because if we don't choose, we will end up talking for hours. And we want to spare you from that because no one needs that. So we can't talk about significant tracks without getting into the song that heralded their sound change which is Midnight Memories. What a surprise. It's so good. For me, Like it's like the perfect pop rock sound. It was a great release for One Direction at the time when they were sort of transitioning into a more mature sound while still sort of maintaining that pop vibe. And the thing is, with 1D consistently, when they named the album after a song, it's definitely one of the best ones in the album. And... It's the same for Midnight Memories. I love the song from the punchy raw vocals to the guitars to the angsty, rebellious vibe that they're going for. I loved all of it. And I think Midnight Memories definitely makes use of that big, fun group chorus that 1D has become so famous for. It's just like every time you hear the chorus, you kind of have to drop everything and sing along actually would like to shout out to my boy Niall because he really did his thing on this track, especially on that bridge. Good job, man. Oh my gosh. Honestly, yes. Also shout out to whoever was producing this stuff because the layering and the quality is so nice. I kind of wish we were in university when it came out. That's so true. I feel like it would be the soundtrack to literally every road trip we ever took. Right? Like, just so I could actually make Midnight Memories to the song. But it's fine. Some people had that, and they were lucky. But speaking of group vocals, one of the other songs I adore from this album is Don't Forget Where You Belong. I call it one of the most perfect arena songs that One Direction has. There's this big, booming sound quality that's so perfect for live performances. And the distribution of parts for this song, I think, showcases all of the boys' voices really well. I agree that it's a stadium track, and 
honestly, I would argue that the entire Midnight Memories album is the perfect stadium tour album, especially for them. It gives like a semi-Brit rock kind of feel. And I mean, I think that was what they were going for anyway. And Don't Forget Where You Belong definitely echoes that touring superstar theme. It was also a very emotional song, I think. When the hiatus was announced and like when everyone is sort of going their separate ways, I remember so many fan edits with this song. My note on this was, come through lyrics, they said friendship. And I mean, anyone who has ever been a fan of any sort of group, like it doesn't matter if you have a favorite or whatever, you will always have a soft spot for songs where they talk about their time together and talk about, you know, how much they love each other, pretty much. And speaking of lyrics, just a quick shout out to our boys Liam and Louie, who pretty much from this album just took control of literally every One Direction song ever made since then. Louie and Liam as songwriters together is such a good combination, by the way. I know. I know. They're so good together. Good job, guys. Yeah. And one of their first, like, one of the first few ones that they actually did work together on is Better Than Words. For me, honestly, like, my, my main note on this is just lyrics are so smart. I think Better Than Words is just a really good example of how much fun One Direction has with their songs. Um, because, like, the lyrics in this are super smart and that, like, they take song titles. The verses are made up of song titles. And then you have the chorus that says, I don't know how to sum it up because words just ain't enough. And that's just, I found that such a fun like little note that's like, oh, I'm using other people's words because I can't actually come up with the right ones. And stuff that, just stuff like that, that just makes it really fun. What also makes it fun is like the woo that they add, like woo. Oh, the, yeah, no. One Direction, actually, they do a lot of that. They do that a lot. They do that a lot. And it's usually on their best songs, if I'm being honest. That's very true. Okay, before we get carried away and talk about literally every other track on the album, let's move on to 4, which is their, surprise, fourth album released in 2014. This is also their last album as a five-piece when Zayn left the band in March 2015, three days, I think, before the Manila leg of their tour. I mean, it's really just so sad. I'm so thankful I was just a casual listener at this point in time because the devastation I saw our friends go through. I literally remember, like, the day. Yeah, weirdly enough, I have clear memories of this too. People were crying. There were many tweets. And this isn't like to make fun of the people who went through that. Even then, we knew and understood that this is just sincerely upsetting. Listen, as Panic at the Disco fans, Super Junior fans, and fans of pretty much every band that has had so many people come and go, we understand. Oh my god, yeah, exactly. It was just a pretty significant pop culture event. We're saying this just because we remember it distinctly and not because we're making fun or making light of what happened. Because honestly, as a fan, it's a pretty traumatic time. To be fair, I don't know what went down. I don't want to know, to be honest. 
same. That's their business. But I just want to thank Zayn Malik for, you know, sticking around long enough to give us the gift. To give us this masterpiece. Yes, to give us the gift of this masterpiece of an album. Oh my God. Listen, 4 is their best album. And I will fight anyone on this any day. I mean, I'm not gonna argue. I think 4 is their artistic peak, hands down. This was so good on so many levels. They practically promoted everything on this album. They had like 8 singles in total. But honestly, they could have promoted everything and I wouldn't be mad. Any of the songs could have been a single because there is not a single bad track on this album. It's a no-skip album for me, I think. It's like, I don't have qualms on sequencing. I don't have qualms on cohesion. It's just a really, really, really solid album. It's actually really hard to choose a favorite, but I'm gonna go ahead and start with the song that pretty much every fan wanted to be a single and was surprisingly not a single, given how many singles that this album produced. Yeah, and I'm sure everyone who has ever listened to 4 would back us up on this. So we're talking about No Control. A banger if I ever heard one. It's also a very, like, double and tender song. But, you know, it's fine. See, this is the thing with them talaga. It's a thing. It's a theme. I feel like there was, like, a behind-the-scenes bet about, like, how hardcore they could write their songs. Probably. And not have anyone notice. But No Control is such a good song. It's just like a really fun, rocky sound. Again, really good for stadiums and arenas. It was just one of those songs where you kind of just wanted to dance to it whenever it came on. Yes, it's a very I don't care about anything, let's just dance kind of song. And I also definitely think it's a song that defines the album and maybe even a sound that defines One Direction in general just because of the mix of pop rock that they've managed to balance with this track. The other like rock song that I really loved from this album was Where Do Broken Hearts Go? Which I think leans more towards rock than it does pop, honestly. But they do it in a way that works for them so well. The instrumentation on this one is so clean and so beautiful. There's a reason why Where Do Broken Hearts Go has become such an iconic line. Even if you haven't heard this song, you've probably heard the phrase it was and still is used so often in social media. It became a meme. And I think personally, the virality is well-deserved. I mean, it's a great song. And just the line, where do broken hearts go, is so catchy. It's like designed to be remembered. Super brilliant pop star stuff for sure. It's actually really funny that I feel like literally everything we say about Forrest just, it's great. But it's just one of those albums that we just don't have the words to explain what makes it so good. Yeah, and no song captures that I don't know why I like this, but I do feeling as much as Girl Almighty. Oh my gosh. I do not understand this song. I know it's supposed to like make me feel confident, and it does. But when I read the lyrics, I'm like, how am I supposed to feel confident? These words don't make sense together, but somehow it works. When you're reading it, you're kind of like, huh? 
what? But when you're listening to it, you feel like girl almighty. What's actually really funny is I remember I read the lyrics before I heard the song. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. so funny. It's so funny. I remember reading it and I was just like, what in the world is going on? These boys are British. Why is this, why is this nonsensical? And then I hear the song and I'm just like, you know what? I think I can forgive it just because it sounds so good. And keeping in theme with the weird sounds, the oohs on this are really, really nice. See, this is what we were saying about the weird sounds. When you hear it, you already know. But yeah, I have so many favorites on this album. Big shout out very quickly to Change Your Ticket, a song not a lot of people talk about, but I love all the theme. And the incredible Clouds. Oh my god. Ah, Clouds was so good. For me, though, my shout-out goes to Ready to Run. Ooh, another good one. But see what we mean about how we can talk for days? And if you don't stop us, we will shout-out the entire tracklist. We're going to go through literally everything, so I think we need to move on to their last album. At least before the hiatus, because who knows what's coming up next. So Made in the AM was released in 2015, and this was their first and so far only album as a four-piece. Losing Zayn obviously meant that there were some big changes, namely in their line distribution and vocal roles. And, like, I don't want to say that Zayn leaving was ever a good thing, but I do appreciate that with these changes, Niall and Louis got to show off their ranges so much more. I agree. I love Niall's vocal tone, so I was glad to hear more of it, finally. But I think I would have liked to see um, something more drastic to signal the change in the lineup. I don't know, maybe that's just the K-pop in me that I feel like when you lose a member, you kind of have to rebrand a little bit more and really kind of own the new change. We sound different, we look different, yeah. Because when you release something after a lineup change, all eyes are on you. Right. So yeah, so that's my only comment. I wish they had like a more, maybe not drastic naman, but just a more significant change in the way that they did things. In any case, they did experiment a lot more in this album, for sure. And I think it's their more diverse album, perhaps. Just a note on experimentation. Actually, I have a feeling, like I obviously do not, I'm not One Direction. I do, I've never worked with One Direction. I have no idea if I'm spewing conspiracy theories. But like, I am actually of the belief that this wasn't planned as a last album. Just because I feel like with the amount of experimentation they did, they were working towards something else. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the reviews were saying that it felt like a goodbye album. And the press and the interviews for the album reinforced that. But... I never really felt that. Yeah, I never I never got that either. With the exception, I think, of history. Oh yeah, history was definitely, definitely intentionally a fan song. You know, in any case, whether or not they intended for it to be a goodbye album way, way before, I think what they wanted people to see with this one was that they were breaking the mold of what they've done so far as a group. So that meant being more experimental and being a bit more introspective and sentimental. 
I have really loved the shift towards sentimentality. I thought it was a very natural sort of progression from where they were at four to kind of like come up into this more mature sort of more well-spoken sense in their musicality. And again, this is the last album that they've released for, for a while. We don't know if they're going to come back. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is their last album. And I would say that this really isn't a bad album to go out on. Um, it's a very strong showing. I do agree that I kind of wish there was just a little bit more. Just, just something a little more different. But it's a good mix of songs and it's a good, like, it's a good collection also. I, I don't mind the, I mean, I have a couple of just, like, questions about why certain songs are the, where they are. But as a collective, it's a good, um, it's a good mix. Yeah. I mean, did I get a sense of closure from this album? Probably not. But because it was a pretty solid piece of work, I don't resent them for leaving us with this album, you know? For me, I think one of the clear standout tracks is Olivia. Mm, yep, yep. Olivia, to me, I mean, now that we sort of have the benefit of hindsight, Olivia, to me, really feels like such a Harry style song. 100%. Olivia, to me, feels like a precursor to Harry's solo music. To me, Olivia felt like a direct precursor to Sunflower Volume 6. Maybe we should put that side by side. Maybe a fan has done that already. I'm not entirely sure why. I just feel like it's the general vibe and the musicality that I really, really liked. Um, I really liked the orchestra sound on Olivia. You know, the horns and like the the bigger like uh the bigger drums and like it's such a fun song. It's one of those songs where I'm not entirely sure what it means, but it's just it's fun and I, I it's a really good listen. No, but Olivia, they treat it as an enigmatic song. They do. If you guys have ever seen that one interview. Where Harry Styles just tries to convince us that Olivia is just anything that you want it to be. And no, you know what? Even if they didn't get to see that interview, it's on Spotify. Like, there's a feature on Spotify where they're like, is Olivia a person? Is Olivia a thing? And from a PR standpoint, it's so smart because everyone was so concerned about Harry's love life. And he knows that. So for him to write a song like this and then promote or, you know, talk about it in such an enigmatic, I'm never going to tell you what it's about kind of way, is such a Harry Styles move. It feels like such a power move and a troll move at the same time. It's great. Which is something that only Harry Styles could pull off, to be honest. Very true. Um, I think for me, one of my favorite songs on this one is What a Feeling. Made in the AM has just so many different sounds that you're not entirely sure would work together, but somehow they do. And for me, just What a Feeling was one of those in the mix that just sounded very different from what they had done before, but not so different that it just seemed like out of left field. I think the title says it all. What a Feeling really tries to encapsulate a feeling like not a specific one but any every feeling there's an ambiguity to the lyrics that's different from like girl almighty because that one is just confusing whereas what the feeling is vague and it's one of the songs that feels like a soundtrack to your life like perfect for a coming of age film 
plus where it is on the track list is perfect. The sequencing for this goes never enough, then Olivia, then what a feeling. Oh gosh. Yeah, I actually do want to talk about never enough very quickly. Um, never enough. Weird sounds. It's just, it's all there. The riffing and the scars on never enough is just like so, so good. And it's a good contrast to what the feeling because never enough leans more towards a classic 1D sound, you know, complete with the high notes and weird sounds and the like devoted to you lyrics. And then you go to Olivia and What a Feeling, which are two of their most different sounding songs, I think, and have probably some of their most ambiguous leaning lyrics. I think the reason why I love What a Feeling so much is because of its production. The instruments, the layering, even like the reverb. I actually really love how the chorus goes really high on this song. Ooh, for me, it's the bridge to the last chorus, I think. Makes me want to dance around an empty street at dusk. Like, it has that sentimentality, too, that we were talking about in the beginning. Because it's bittersweet and comforting, but, like, make it dance. And then, I think it's quite fitting that this is pretty much the last song that we're gonna talk about for 1D for now. Because, for me, it felt like a very good bookend to the album and to One Direction's, like, musical journey as a group so far. Um, is AM. I maintain that these boys do ballads incredibly well. I mean, with those voices? Come on, they can't not. They have the vocal chops for it. Yeah, and I think one thing about One Direction that a lot of people sort of don't pay attention to is how well their voices work together. Together. Yes. Like, if you've ever really paid attention to their group vocal, and when they're singing harmonies when they're singing like when they're filling up a chorus it's just if you can count the different like sounds everyone is making it it's kind of incredible to see how well they've managed to work together for people who were just put together you know i think am is also like a really good example of how sentimental the album is because like i listen to am and i think of like 3am conversations with my friends like after drinking like at the beach like stuff like that it just makes for a really really good listening experience because even like the even like the lyrics which are i think very straightforward you know like the lyricism and the sound of it how stripped it is it's not a very heavily produced track you know so everything just kind of works together to create this really really nice sort of sentimental relatable song and if you listen to their entire discography from like start to finish in sequence by date of release am is basically the end of this chapter of one direction and while everyone knows history which is you know very heavily emotional and a great song i think am is the one that makes you feel a little bit more connected to One Direction. Like, not just as artists that you listen to, but also kind of like companions to your youth because, you know, you invested time and energy into these people. It's the perfect song to end the journey you've been on with One Direction, no matter when you started being a fan. Absolutely. So... We've gone through 
pretty much the entire discography. I think what I actually just want to say about this is that the thing with One Direction's music is that it doesn't actually feel dated. Yes. The last album came out like five years ago. That's a pretty long time. And we're still talking about their music. We're still listening to the albums. One Direction is still topping like fandom vote things. And I think honestly, the response that people still have about One Direction as a group just is a testament to how good they were. How much their music sort of impacted a lot of people. Oh yeah, definitely. And we said in the beginning that often people dismiss boy bands and obviously we weren't entirely exempt from that. And, you know, there's definitely more to unpack there. But for now, let's just say that One Direction are more than what they seem. And they deserve to be listened to with open minds and open ears, I guess. Then again, we're not going to judge you for your preferences. Music is subjective. You're allowed to not like pop music. You're allowed to not like One Direction. I'm not going to force people to listen to them. That's fine if you don't want to. We're not going to shove headphones on you and just like force you to listen to the entire thing. Yes, but you know, I do think that if you listened beyond what makes you beautiful, you'd find a song or two for you in their discography. Again, I was very quick to dismiss One Direction in the beginning. And it just took a little bit of time for me to realize that, you know, these are actually, this, these are like a really talented group of boys coming out with really good music. And I think that the takeaway from that really is just to give different things a chance. Right. And that's exactly why we did this podcast episode to maybe give a little nudge if you haven't given One Direction a chance yet or to just have a space for fans to feel validated in their music choices because sometimes we need that and life is too short to pretend that pop music can't be good. And on that note, we actually want to hear from you guys. One Direction fans, what are your favorite One Direction songs? What's your favorite era? For the people who don't listen to One Direction, what songs might you be interested in? Tell us why you don't like them. Or did we change your mind over the course of this episode? We're posting discussion questions and stuff like that over on our Twitter. So follow us at In Media's Mess. And we've also come up with a Spotify playlist of all of the 1D tracks that we talk about in this episode, as well as a couple of our other favorites. So you can check it out linked in the show notes below. And I guess that's it for now. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone.